a long time. Yeah, let's bounce forth and back, um, le, like the meta level, because I really think it's needed uh, also for yeah. those who, those listeners who are not so deep into the weeds of sustainability as us. So let's just for the sake of the exercise, uh, sketch their businesses mm -hmm. uh, who, who score amazing on the financial bottom line, mm -hmm. and they don't care about the future and about sustainability. Mm -hmm. which is actually very favorable, right? Because they can externalize as many costs as possible. And usually outside of the organizational boundaries, right? You don't really need to pay for the generations to come or climate change or soil erosion and stuff like that. Then we have in the middle of the bell curve in sustainability, those that you would coin in your terminology, responsible businesses mm -hmm. that you're challenging, you know, to really revamp at the very core of the yes. business model to work towards more than just less bad or just yes. net zero to really bake into the DNA of the organizations a regenerative paradigm. For me, a regenerative paradigm could mean something like, okay, we have plastic pollution, both mixed plastic and single plastic. What do we do with all that rubbish, right? And how can we uh, build a sustainable business model um, out of that? So, I would like to kind of go deeper in our conversation and try to look at examples that you are mm -hmm. aware of yeah, where you would see exemplary that a regenerative paradigm is already in work and where that could scale. Yeah. Um, so I was actually pretty amazed by the example of this new metro line because i really think it's a good example how much more an infrastructure company that would by definition not necessarily need to care about like poverty and uh, all sorts of like let's say fancy non-financial key performance indicators as to empower women for example mm -hmm. um so um i wonder Maybe they're smaller in size, but but who are those who are already in the in the bucket of uh, uh, a regenerative? Oh, I'll just um, take one step back for a second. Just yeah, for me, the regenerative is really interesting. I love the way you frame it with the first, you know, the externalities, the people who don't care, and and I guess that for me is the regenerative shift is and the difference from responsibility is you're tying yourself and the success of your organization, you're understanding that that's part of the system's success and that you will never succeed if the whole system doesn't succeed. So you're, you're really internalizing externalities, but also working on getting the rest of the system to flourish around you because it's, it's a, exactly that. And that's why I love that metro example it was it was stunning and, and they were so passionate the team that, that are doing it that it's wonderful um it's there are not many you know the good news is there are little examples like that for big businesses where they go oh let's try this um it's still experimental um i and i i think the the thing about regeneration and and examples of it is it has to almost be local um, because then you can, then there is some boundary to to that system that you're looking at. So, um, the the one one of the places I I like that is slightly different is in Scotland. Um, we've been working a little bit with the Scottish Environmental Protection Agency, <laughs> um, who um, a few years back a, a woman, a project manager there called Pauline Silverman, 
she um, she went out to look at the Levin, the mouth of the River Levin, which is just northeast of Edinburgh, so out towards Europe. And she couldn't find the river. She knew that it was, you know, it'd been polluted and so on. And then she found it. There was no more salmon. It was overgrown, so on. And she could have said, oh, okay, so our job is going to be, how do we re revitalize the river and the riverbanks? Great. This is what the Environmental Protection Agency does, right? Instead, what she did, and partly because um, her organization, the Scottish Environmental Protection Agency, have been going through this transformation to try and do something more um she she created an alliance of i guess 12 partners and i can't rattle them all off but they included the local council of course it in included diageo the you know um global drinks company which happened to have some production there included the railways and the scottish water and and a bunch of other both private and non-private stakeholders and she brought them together in the Leven partnership to regenerate not just the environmental bit of that area, but the financial, the human, and the the economic and the and the uh, and human and social, I guess, because it happens to be one of the poorest, most deprived areas in Scotland. So, so they have now pulled together and are realizing that uh, you know that you can. So Scott Rail have now extended the railway line out. Again, it's funny how infrastructure is important, right? So those people can 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 travel more easily. There are educational system um, programs going in and training going in so that they can have climate ready housing, which they don't have. Which means that, by the way, they'll pay less for the energy, as we all know at this point in time is really important. But all those things. So they have a. a so she's structured it. And really is a lot down to her. Obviously, she would say it's the team and so on, and it's the partnership. But all these people have come together and have seen the symbiosis and the working together is going to be more valuable than having one project that works here or one project that works there. So I think, I think Diageo, you know, they're doing a big um, hydrogen powered plant up there now. So those, I think that is really interesting. And for me, it's exemplary. It's going slowly. Um, probably potentially because it's it's got so many actors and so on, but they're doing incredibly well. And it's had me thinking about, uh, on a slightly meta of, of level, on how do you finance systems? And do we need a new asset class that these finance people who you're talking about who make a lot of money um, can invest in the whole system? And we calculate that there's more value in those projects that are going on in the leave-in, for example, than if you added up the value of each of them. I, I, I like that. Let's let let's stay there. So I would like to group or pool both the leave-in example and the metro example and zoom out from an ecosystemic perspective because what we now need is not only new ways of governance, mm -hmm. new ways of leadership, new job titles. So pretty much of what I'm doing very intuitively as an agent on behalf of a whole portfolio of organizations is these are very complex multi-stakeholder surroundings, state actors, non-state actors, uh, ph ph philanthropy, foundations, but uh, uh, small and medium-sized business, family-owned business, for-profit businesses, um, stock market listed businesses yeah. with like vastly different ontologies on how to operate. Yes. 
Um, and also, the, lastly, what you mentioned, also we need new finance mechanisms. Um, are since since you both know a little bit of the Levin example and the Metro example, um, how do the organizations that are like instigating that how 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 do they deal with with the complexity because usually they could say well it's not part right of yeah. our organizational boundary why even bother right mm -hmm. it costs us a lot of like money that ultimately you know um gets does does not necessarily get reflected on the on the financial bottom line Absolutely. at least not short term or midterm yeah. right yeah no, and, and that's that's exactly what's interesting, right? Is there's no reason for either of those organizations to do that, really. And and this is one of the reasons I highlighted Pauline, because um because actually this the, I think we live in such an interesting time where where the crisis around us <laughs> um have have become internalized in so many people. There are lots of people who are blinkered, who are still drugging themselves with media and sugar and alcohol and drugs and whatever, fine. But so many people have internalized that that crisis we're in, climate, societal, um, let's just stick with those two, <laughs> financial energy, you can keep going. But, but um, uh, and they are, and their impetus to act in a bigger way and figuring out the way is um is strong enough and they happen to have people in other places that allow that right so in the leave an example the ceo of sepa had been working for a few years on saying we should not just be fining companies we should be helping them to to change in the case of um atiana they've been working on well how do how do we have a more regenerative world they still have a very severe you know bottom line Athiana shares are going up 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 all the time as far as I can tell the um but the human beings in there have somehow given themselves permission um and the organization have allowed it to do something else to invest in those complicated um relationships and i think it this is where the transformation we need does come down to human beings in many ways that um and, and and i guess one of the big mindset shifts that has to happen is from simple to complex from from thinking we can live in spreadsheets to to understanding that everything has a feedback loop and 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 we can't even if it looks good on the spreadsheet that we're improving all these indicators social environmental and financial it's never it's not enough because all the things between the, the relationships between the the um are are where the value really is now and so it comes back to humans and 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 i guess where allowing humans to rewise themselves um you know, people talk about unlearning, and I think that's right. But but I think the new learning is actually rewising and 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 connecting with themselves, with nature, with each other in a very different way, um, without sounding too soft on it. But that a lot of what we do in 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 our workshops is that is allowing people to just step out of the the simplistic 
rules that they've operated by. So I think that's why that's that's the only thing I can I can tell you is that I think it's got to be the human side of it, which we've ignored for so many years, right? Economic man is not exactly very human. No, it, no, no, it's not. After feeling, let's let's live conspire <laughs> on, on on my biggest moonshot that I was just sketching in in our preparation. Osaka World Expo 2025. How can we showcase ecosystem demonstrators that showcase that on a level of moving from ownership to stewardship to showcasing that we can't think in spreadsheets but in like symbiotic relationships and homeostasis that show that on a governance level, very complex uh, projects can be successfully built both from voting mechanisms to ownership um, to showcasing ecosystem demonstrators on a bioregional level. So I find it very interesting that without us preparing for it, we actually have a multi-billion dollar infrastructure project mm -hmm. that at least from how I perceive it, um, has enough of um, integrated, um, not I would not call them data points, um, has enough of the tapestry where we can showcase something like that no. and the leaving example. What would be when you when you look at these like dozens of projects that you that you're involved in uh, uh, all over the planet? What's the right scope and size? Because my understanding is they need to be sufficiently big, right? To, to be able to really say, look, this is a multi-billion dollar infrastructure project in, in uh, where was it? In Rio or Sao Paulo? In Sao Paulo. It's in the Sao biggest Paolo. infrastructure project in Brazil ever, by yeah, the way. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so, so ideally you could showcase that the monetary flows, the circularity, yeah. um, uh, whatever, uh, women's empowerment, all that um, moves differently. And the same with the leave example. What would be other like, Let's just for the sake of the exercise, call them yeah. ecosystem demonstrators that showcase the regenerative paradigm B. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? Because um, there are a lot, I believe there are lots, I can't pick the specifics because, um, but I believe there are lots within the regenerative agriculture piece, of course. Um, the um, That just seems to be done or being done. So we haven't gone gone too close to the not because we're not interested i think the food systems is fascinating um and and what they're doing i think that's one place that there would be some um and i'm sure I, i'm sure i know them but i can't i can't name them um where again how do you again they they would all i think and if we if i'm imagining osaka and, and and several places i could imagine them on a map on a on a on a very big map because they would have to be they are local um and i think the thing about regeneration is that you can have this massive scale and or in in terms of impact like the um the sao paulo line six the orange line six that we will soon have <laughs> um is massive but but you can't scale it from there and say, oh, we're going to just keep going. You can replicate that kind of thing. And I think that's what we're looking for, right? Similarly with the Levin, they've actually also gone to somewhere else in Scotland. Exactly. That's what I mean also with scale. So, so yeah. don't get me wrong. Obviously, it doesn't need to, but 
it should be able to replicate the templates, the learning, yeah. uh, the weaving of the tapestry of the multi-stakeholder, the exactly. governance piece, the new financial uh, mechanisms yeah. to make them able to be bankable and to yes. absorb more mainstream capital. This is yeah. actually what, what we're looking for in the next yeah. few years, hopefully, right? No, I think that's exactly what we need. Um, so I'm just thinking of, of other areas that where I've seen this. I, it's it's not that usual. It's That's the the interesting thing i think that right now and, and you know energy and infrastructure and when somehow we've we've been, energy infrastructure and finance for some reason seem to come at us a lot but i think that is because those are sort of foundational industries that need to go first and they are under more pressure because they they consume so many could you could, yeah. you could you sketch an example from the finance sector Oh, um, sure. So the financial sector, it's slightly different. Um, um, I've got involved with it because one of the things we discovered through our work with businesses was just that there was a there's a massive gap between business, um, even businesses who want to transform, and how do they get finance? And as you know, we've just shown that that new ways are coming up all the time. But so so I got involved with. Um, with banks and in the UK set up a, a small initiative called Bankers for Net Zero, uh, where we basically brought banks together with industry and small, and this was small and medium businesses to say, okay, so why is the capital not flowing towards net zero initiatives in, in industry? Um, and, and, and with a view to, well, if there's any policy issues, so one of the partners was British Parliament, one of the groups in there. Um, and, could we could we make some recommendations that would make this easier? Um, so banks are having to transform too, of course. Um, and as I see it, they have to transform from being either we invest or we divest to having to help support building new markets that don't exist yet. Because one of the biggest pushbacks I got when speaking to some bank CEOs were like, well, you know, if we decide we're going to come out of fossil fuels, then our team is just going to be taken by somebody else and there's just going to be a gap there so um so the conversations i've been having with them was like well how do you instead of just coming out of fossil fuels how do you help with all the might of your your bank um and in the, the financial leverage how do you help the, that industry transform from fossil fuels to, to something else which is what we all need to, where they should be putting their money but um but it's really contested I, I, you may have seen in the last few days that the um the global financial alliance on net zero the banking you know alliance um several us banks are now saying they're going to pull out because they're worried about being sued because they think they'll miss their targets, their fossil fuel targets. Um, and so it's a bigger risk to them still that they might get sued for missing their targets than, than they see the risk of, of, of trying to hit those targets. Um, I, and I, I, yeah, in as much as I see it, this will always be... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and that, I think what we're seeing, I don't even reality, think it's right? pendulum, Alistair, at the moment. I think it's the death throes of, of, I think a lot of people are making an awful lot of money on the last few years of dying industries. And we're seeing that kickback. <laughs> and it's kind of awful, but it has always happened. I think people made more money on CFCs 
in the last two years before they were finally globally banned than they did in the 20 years before that. So um, 